0: Ecclesiastes 7 is where we are, Ecclesiastes 7, and I hope to get through a few verses, and, and, and when he gets into his wisdom teaching, it's less like trying to teach through Proverbs. Uh, he kind of comes in little chunks, you know, he has little chunks, and then sometimes, you know, I, I found myself in Proverbs, you know, thinking like, what this chunk got to do with that chunk, and then sometimes by the time you get over that chapter and you think back, you're like, "Oh, these do all relate, and we have a little bit of that here, and so sometimes we're limited by uh, the, the time we have and, and the scope of scripture we could get, but uh, I'll try to remind you as these kind of weave together, and, and this chapter is really about wisdom and about applying wisdom. Uh, but we need to remember he's looking at answers. Under the sun, He's not thinking about eternity, he's not thinking about God, although that always creeps in. So it seems like through his, um, and we know the conclusion of the matter, it's our memory verse, um, but it seems like the more he pursues and tries to look at life under the sun only, just life here and now, that no matter what, it, it seeps in that, no, we have to honor God. And yes, we have to realize that there is eternity, or none of this makes sense, or it all just seems vain, is the word that he likes to use. Uh, so Ecclesiastes 7, let's look at verse 15. He says, And of all the things I've seen in the days of my vanity, and when he says that he means his life, because that's his pessimistic way of looking at life here. It's just vain, emptiness, nothing. He says, In all the days that I have seen in the days of my and all the things that I have seen in the days of my vanity, there is a just man that perish in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Um, yeah, he says, I've seen the two extremes. I've seen people die for their faith. I've seen people die because of their faith. Martyrdom. He says, I've seen that. And I've also seen wicked people seem like they get by with it. And it seems like because they are wicked, it prolongs their day. It makes their life better. makes their life longer. seems like it goes on. Where, where the righteous man has a shorter life because of his, his values and what he stands for. The wicked man, because of his values, it seems like his prolongs his days. And so here he is trying to look at life under the sun without God in mind. And he's saying, it doesn't make sense. You know, that, that seems wrong. He's like, well, you know, if I was just living under the sun, you'd almost have to say, side with evil, you know, because you're going to live longer. But he's like, we know that's not right. We know there is good, right? And we know that you're supposed to do good. And so this is kind of his dilemma, kind of his wrestle. Um, people have died for their faith. He's seen it. People still die for their faith. People have died and will die for their faith. Revelation will tell us that the last seven years will be a time of martyrdom, which seems like is rampant. Uh, on a global scale. So yeah, that's why it's no shock when the media, when you see that everything gets a pass and everything must be accepted, but Christianity, no, we can't have that. That's the one where they cannot tolerate it. And then it's told in the scriptures that it was going to be that way. And so we don't see it much here. It's starting to creep in. But we see it in history. The Bible starts with one of the first Christian martyrs, with Stephen, you know, dying for his faith. The scriptures don't record it, but history does for us, where Peter, how he dies for his faith. All the disciples, save John, died for their faith. One of the first early Christian fathers, Polycarp, uh, which, uh, well, I'm glad I don't have that name. Uh, But uh, Polycarp, he was a a disciple of John. So John lives to a ripe old age. And Poly- Polycarp's one of his disciples, and so John was his immediate teacher. Can you imagine that? You know, to have the Apostle John, you know, the, the one who saw Revelation and, and record these things to be his student. And so, yeah, it, it affected him. and a matter of fact, he's the one who's kind of accredited of gathering the letters that were going around during those times of John's life to get that kind of validation to see what should be the New Testament. And so he's the kind of the curator and, and collector of those, and so... Uh, he dies in about 155 AD, Let's so say he helped compile the New Testament, and he was martyred because he refused to burn incense to the Roman emperor, and so they burned him at the stake. Uh, and I'm sure there was compromises at the day saying, just light it, you know, it's just a fire, you know, it was no big deal, you don't have to mean it, and he's like, no, and so and they were accusing him. He's in Philippi, I think it was, and they are accusing him of being a Christian. You know, they're like, oh, we hear rumors that you're a Christian. We heard rumors that you're for Christ and all these things. And one of the things that he's quoted as saying is, uh, here, I will declare unto you with boldness, I am a Christian. There's like, there's no need to be a trial here. This is not something that I've hidden. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm going to stand before you with the threat of death, and I'm going to tell you, I am a Christian. he says this, he goes, 86 years have I served Christ, nor has he ever done me any harm. He says, how could I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Because they're trying to get him to renounce it. To say, no, I turn my back on it and you can live. You know, light this incense. And he's like, why? Christ only given me life. Christ given me everything. Why would I do that? He's done nothing to me. No, I will serve my king who saved me. I will not blaspheme his name. That's a view that we should have. And at the end, it seemed like they kept asking him and giving him his questions. And he finally turns to him and says, why do you delay? Come and do what you will. He's like... You're going to kill me, kill me. I'm not changing my stance. And I think the, it even goes on to say, like, Polycarp, it's you against the world. And he goes, then it's the world against Polycarp. Because I'm standing up here. He goes, I'm not going to alter what I say. I'm not going to alter my testimony. My Lord has died for me. Man, that's some faith. But it marches through history through John Huss, who burned at the stake for heresy against the Catholic Church by saying some of their things were wrong and questioning them, saying, how does that align with Scripture. William Tyndale, who gave us the English translation of the Bible, the very the first one, stood against the Catholic Church again, and then King Henry the Eighth divorced. Boy, he stood against divorce, and so killed him over it. Um, they choked him to death, then they burned him at the stake. Uh, all the way up until like, Jim Elliot, that we know about, you know, being killed while trying to witness to the tribes. So it goes on and on and on until even this last week, as I was watching the news, I don't get to see the news very often. I usually doesn't interest me too much, but you know, but it's like I usually at the end of the day I'm, I'm I i do not want to be seen anything in front of the screen. I sit in front of a screen all day. So but I was, uh, Elaine had the news on, I was watching it, and there was a in Brownsburg, a school teacher on there who was pleading for his job. You know, to, to see a man come to tears in a group of, of people, you know, just, just pleading for his job. And A student standing up giving testimony, saying hateful things angry things about this man there were many that stood up for him you know but the students saying these hateful things his name is John Kluge uh, he was calling their students by their last name because the school had a policy that you were to call them by not their name on their birth certificate or not their nickname but the name that they wanted to be called if they wanted to change the gender that they wanted to be he says it's against my religious belief I don't want to do that so his comparable I just call them by their last name it's their name right it doesn't change and I thought and I thought that was a well-reasoned answer there and they were forcing him uh, to do it. And his, his quote was, I am being compelled to encourage students in what I believe is something that is a dangerous lifestyle. That is true. He goes, by, by his faith, he goes, this is a dangerous lifestyle. It leads to death. It's going to go that way. He goes, I don't want to encourage that. So he's trying to take the non-thing. And just by calling them their last name and not going with the party line and saying, calling, you know, Jill Steve now, he, he didn't want to be a party to that. They took his job, and he says, and I am being forced to speak a certain way, and that is scary. Thought police, word police. We have an amendment that protects that, supposedly, but it hasn't, and it's falling apart, that's for sure, because word police, thought police is out there, and on the rise, it's coming censorship online everywhere. It is wrapped up in many packages, but that's what it is. So there they find him, you know, begging for his job, and all he receives from the board is cold, hard stares. Not listening to anything that he's saying, not seeing anything he's pleading, and uh, put him on, and have students saying, "This man needs to teach in a private school, not in this, and not in this going on." He, had, we have no part, we have no room for him in this. It's Christians. That's who he is. That's what he stood for. That's what he's doing. So yeah, that's us. That's the freedom of speech in Indiana. You'll lose your job for refusing to comply with this nonsense uh, that's going on. And so it is something that's being forced on kids and recruited in that way. So. Uh, yeah, people give up. He didn't lose his life. He lost his job, lost his livelihood. And I pray that he gets a job soon. But, yeah, we can think of that. And Solomon has seen it, righteous people who die for righteousness. Can I think of wicked people who prosper for their wickedness? All day long. <laughs> I can sit here and list all day long. You know, how, how many industries uh, that are made off sin, you know, that make millions of dollars, some of the fastest and biggest growing money makers in our country are... Sin, you know, that grows in this way, let alone every fee that is stolen from you, you know, through some crooked things, you know, the phone company that takes all the unpaid bills, they say are unpaid bills, and then just doles them out on all of our different cards and puts it in there in the a list of fees that unless you watch it like a hawk you'd never see and they never go on we all pay. That's corrupt. That's evil. Something that you don't have and pass it on to somebody else. Every bonus paid for someone who runs a company into the ground, and yet they receive millions of dollars worth of bonus for doing so after hundreds, if not thousands of people lose their jobs, and then we reward these Fools for doing that. Toys R Us was the last one. They get this guy, runs it in the ground, they give him a $200 million bonus, and then they take away any of the severance pay that would have went to the employees who actually worked and were trying to have a job there. It's like, that's evil. That's like adding, you know, pouring salt in the wound as you, hey, we're losing your job and we're rewarding this guy for it. It's like, no, it's just, it's, it's there, let alone people who profit from people suffering. People who profit from poisoning people and getting legislators and lobbyists to to let these things pass and to let that go and to put that in the shots and to do that this way because money sells and money matters and sickness is big money, and so we got to keep it going on, let alone killing people, killing babies, the whole industry that wants to take our tax dollars, take all of our money. Yes, they profit off uh, of death in this way. And so, yeah, I could think of a whole bunch of people, and I could list names, but, yeah, we see that all too often. Yeah, so I could think of it, and that, that, that list is long. But Solomon says, as I look at this under the sun, I see how unfair it is and how unjust it seems. He says, you do right, and you suffer, and you, 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 you lie, you cheat, you swindle, you defraud people, and, and you profit from sin, and you live high on the hog, and it seems like you have it all. He says, it just doesn't make sense. He goes, I just don't understand why it would be that. It seems backwards, right? We call that. Right? a matter of fact, the Bible told in the last days, good would be evil, and evil be good. You know, the, the world would change how they call it. So we need to remember what Solomon's looking at, that it's just on this side of eternity, just here, life as a whole, while while you're alive. And his advice here is going to apply to that here and now. But we need to know this before we look at his advice. The wicked do not prosper. Oh, they might on the earth. They might seem like they have it all, like they're living it up and, and they've got life by the horns. But they don't get away with it. They don't get by with it. It's not like they never have any judgment, like they can bribe every judge. I know a judge they can't bribe. I know a judge who is too good, who's too holy, who's too righteous, that they cannot sway in that way. N- Numbers 32, and I want to look at these in the Old Testament for the new. <clears throat> Numbers. Numbers 32, verse 23. Numbers 32, verse 23 says, uh, in the context is, uh, God has given them some commands as a nation. Here's what I expect you to do. <clears throat> and at the end here, the conclusion, verse 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, we could take that to heart. You know, it's like these people think they are getting by with it. Well, <laughs> I, I hid this in, and the, the clause in this way, and they all sign it. You know, before you get it, you can't do that. And the next thing you know, I'm getting all these millions of dollars with these trickling fees. It's like, they think they're so clever in getting by with it. And God's like, I know. I'm the best lawyer there is. I'm the best one who can read all this. says, be sure your sin will find you out. So we need to remember, no matter what the law says, no matter what the law says you can get by with, or whatever our government says is lawful, God's law trumps man's law every time. God's law is the highest one. God's law is the one we're to stand by. God's law is the one we're to live by. Luke 12. I'll turn there real quick, because it's one I always think of. Luke, Luke 12, verse 2. Luke 12 and verse 2, Jesus is speaking. He says, uh, and he's talking about the love or the sin of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. So Luke 12, verse 2 says, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. He says, I don't care where you buried it. I'm going to uncover it. I don't care where you hid it and how well you hid it. I'm going to expose it. Verse 3. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed from the housetops. He says, whatever your little lie is, whatever your scheme is, whatever your conspiracy is, whatever it is that you're working, I'm going to expose it all. Verse 4. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him whom after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. That's the law that we stand by. We stand by him. Can man kill you for not obeying their law? Yeah, he says. But don't fear them. You fear me, and you stand by what I say. You do what I tell you to do. That's what the martyrs throughout history have done. You know where they have stood for what is right. They've stood in the face of what everybody else was doing, what society said, and what they were going on, and they proclaimed that it was wrong. Up to the very first martyr. You know, Abel. It was over religion. It was over what was going on. He was telling them what is right. And he hated him because he was doing what was right. And he was being, you know, Cain was being accused of what was doing wrong. And so he kills him. And so that, it's, it goes throughout time. And so, yeah, we need to have a healthy fear. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here's a healthy fear. God says, you fear me. Because, yeah, you're going to stand in front of me. I am the judge that we all stand in front of. He goes, and you will either bow to me now in life and through salvation, or you will bow later and I will sentence you uh, to hell. He says, here, I can cast you into hell. So, yeah, uh, you, your sins will be exposed. Yep, And you will pay for all of your sins. Unless you repent. Take Jesus Christ to forgive you now. That's salvation, right? We see our sin as exceedingly sinful. We understand the guilt of it. We understand the penalty of it that I'll spend eternity in hell. And so we see that and we're like, what can I do? How can I get out from underneath this sin? How can I get underneath this ju- out from underneath this judgment? Jesus, please save me. You know, and asking him for that salvation. That is salvation. Repenting of your sin and trusting Jesus Christ to save you. And he says he will. And he pays the fine. And then if we sin, we're to confess our sins. As we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's left us with a mechanism, a tool to use, because he knows we're going to sin. He knows we're going to fall short of the glory of God. And so, yes, we're to come before him, and, and we're to... Uh... Even use our conscience that he's given us to convict us of sin to stop us from sinning and going even worse. When we know that it's sin and we can even think about, hey, I'm going to do this. Our conscience should not be working. You shouldn't do that. That is wrong. You know, and there's, there's a preventative measure for us as well. And so, uh, yeah, we don't want to just live under the sun thinking about what can I get by with. No, we need to live with in the light of eternity knowing that you're not going to get by with it. You will be exposed. And so we have much more um, information than Solomon had here in Ecclesiastes if we turn back there. So remember, you do not get by with sin. Uh, as a Christian, you can lose your reward. We won't lose our salvation. You can lose rewards. So we need to be careful about how we live. Uh, the Bible also says that you can suffer loss, uh, joys of an eternity. I, I don't know, you know what, what all, but it says, he says you can't. You know, there's, there's rewards and there's things that we can have that if we live in a life of sin after we've become a Christian, you know, that we lose, that he says there is a loss that is there, but we still have salvation. But he tells us that to help us to make good choices, to be wise, and to choose to follow him. So we need to remember that Solomon is just thinking about here and now as he gives us this next advice. So uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16, it says, Be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before the time? And it is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from uh, from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come uh, forth of them all. Um, I guess if I was going to summarize those three verses, it would be moderation. That Solomon saying, you know, when you're going to live your life, live a life of moderation. Or balance in this way a little bit. Overrighteous, he says. Don't be overrighteous. Don't be overwise. Don't be overwicked. You know, he's kind of talking about extremes here. Philippians four five says, "Let your moderation be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand." He talks about a little bit of moderation that is going on there. You know, Paul, the one who says, "I need to be all things to all men," so I might be able to win some. You know, he's trying to reach them. It doesn't mean he's compromising. This means that. Moderation, being able to, to balance you know, where you are and what you see and how you do things, just a little bit of common sense in your life. So, so, so how, what's that mean? You know, how, how can we do this? And I, I think what Solomon is saying and how we can apply it today is don't be overly prudish that you never have any fun. Well, no, we, I would never do that. You, know, you Just overlook to the point where you're like, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing because I don't want to have a chance of offending anybody or anything or doing something that is wrong you know, in that way. And so overly prudish that you don't have any fun. Solomon's like, that's not a, that's not a good life if we don't have that. <clears throat> Here's something that I know. I know that heaven will be fun. I know it'll be fun. You know, I look forward to it. I look forward to what it's going to be. Life on earth is fun. Life has little tastes. And it's fun and laughter, and it's the things that we want to do. It's a good, joyous time. You know, I think of times when we get together as a church, like the last time we camped out here. Laughing, fun, sitting around talking, doing things, looking at stars, wondering His creation, speaking about Him, what's going on. It was fun, it was laughter, it was kids giggling, running around, you know, and um, fire and eating and food and, and all those things. That, that's it, you know, it's like a reunion. It, it does that. And so, yeah, heaven will be fun, smiling, joyful. You wouldn't see a taste of that in many churches, you know. Okay, here, sit down. No flapping. No fun. Sit down here. It's like that, that's not much of a selling card, you know. There to, to be there and have, have that. You know, it's just a sour disposition. No, we need to live a while. Live while you're here. I think what Psalm is saying, you know, don't be so safe and so scared that, that you just breathe. You're like I'm just going to exist until I die. No, he doesn't want that. He made life. He made this world with many adventurous things in it. And he's like, live it up a little bit, you know. Don't just be sitting around and saying, well, I gotta save all my money in the bank just in case, or I never venture from home, you know, oh, that would be terrifying, or never enjoy what's yours, you know, because oh, I'm afraid of what happened, and fearful of being sued, and we can't do this, we can't do that, and losing it all, so you just sit around and do nothing. You're just afraid of all the risk that is out there. That's not life. No. No, we're not to live a life of wickedness, obviously. He tells us that too. Don't be overly wicked. He goes on the other extreme. Don't do that. I think Feisty's okay. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of honoriness on that. There, a little a little, bit, a little funny saying. You know, don't, don't go too far. You know, you don't want to be, um, but you can have some crazy times. But he also, verse seventeen says, uh, "Be not overmuch wicked; neither be thou foolish, be uh, given to those things." There's a time for for fun. He says, "But why shouldest thou die before the time? You know, you can be overly foolish and do something stupid. You know, it's like." Uh, Jumping off a bridge and you don't know what's underneath there. Jumping you know, there's a lot of those things. It's like, nah, I think that's just overly foolish. You know, that's a little disregard for for safety. Common sense should rule. He's like, you don't want to be overly this way, but you know, let Carl drag you behind a boat. You know, go around this way. Jump, you know, swim over here. Do You'll know, have some adventure out there, but you, know, but a little risks, okay. You know, when you need to be complicated. You know, don't do something that's going to kill you. You know, you need to use some common sense and wisdom there. He said, uh, you know, but, you know, we need to have a little bit of balance here. You know, not so prudish that it's like there's no joy in life and not so all towards joy that there is no sensibility in your life. And so it's a little balance that's going on. Is this Christian advice? Yes. Verse 18, he said, it is good that you should take hold of this. He's like, here's a good thing for you to do. Grab hold of this. Here, Solomon lived excesses. And he says, have a little balance here. You know, have a little bit of thing that's going on. It's good. God wants us to live and experience life. He wants that. I suspect... But there's probably going to be a basic training course on how to live in heaven because there's so many people that sat around and did nothing and was afraid. They're going to be "Here's what you can do. You know, you can actually skip. Uh, here's a shorts department. Put some shorts on and run around and enjoy. You know, it's like here's a different hairstyles you can have besides that one. You know, and it's like I think you know life without a suit. Here you go. You know, and so I think there's going to be a little course on that. Oh, maybe I could teach it. I don't. Know, but uh, you know, but I think there's going to be a little bit, a little bit of that. Here we're going to have a stick removal. You know, now you can move around a little bit. You know, and have some fun and have some life. You we got these guys that do nothing. So many Christians didn't live on earth that I think he's going to have to show them. You know? So don't go so far that you waste your life. Like, oh, I'm afraid. I'm overly righteous. I've got to sit here and do this. And God wants you to live. You know? But we don't want to bring a reproach on Christ with our living. So There's a balance there. You know, we, we, we need to have life and we need to have righteousness you know, and balance it in there. I think there are too many churches today that go extreme the other way. We have some that have zero fun, and we have some that are all fun, and they have no doctrine. We're all rock shows and big bands and zip lines, and, and you get there, and you're like, did we ever talk about Jesus? I think that's what that joy song was about. I don't know. We didn't mention his name. You know, but they had a big old show that went on, and they never mentioned never allowed him in, and so they go to the extreme the other way, a little bit of moderation, have some fun, you know, and be in church, enjoy Christ, what's going on, and live life, you know, because those churches are just clubs that might have church in the name, you know, but, but they're not real churches. I used to call them goat herds or something like that, because they're like acting like sheep, but they're not really sheep, you know, so there's there, so we can, you can go too far. Verse 19, he says, wisdom strengtheth the wise man more than ten mighty men uh, which are in the city. He says, here, you want true strength, and we've talked about that some earlier in the chapter, because this chapter is about wisdom, that wisdom is true strength. It's kind of the thing, you know, it's more than ten mighty men in the city, and you think of... You know, our military, um, you know, uh, extreme groups that go in, they're small teams. You know, team of six, still team six. You know, send them in, you know, 12 men that go and do this. We have little small sortie groups that go in. He says, you have 10 men in this day that were well-trained, know what they are doing, work together as a unit. They could take a city. He says, if you have wisdom, it's better than 10 men. So we should have some wisdom in our life. So he says, yes, he cautions against overly wise. He says, but we're to be, have that wisdom and live. Verse 20, he says, for there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. He says, uh, men sin. And he goes, and if people are going to try to go around and convince you that they are not sinning, they're liars. And he said, so uh, don't believe them. Uh, this is the Old Testament version of many New Testament verses, Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us this is where we got to be to that place before salvation comes. in agreement that we are a sinner. Romans 3.12, they are all gone out of their way. They are all become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Sin is universal. Everyone has it, and yet... These people say they have reached sinless perfection. Liars run from them. They are liars. Uh, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, you know, the prudish people saying, well, we would never have done that. We're never going to do it. They're liars. Don't let them. that fear that they are holding over you be something they hold over you because they are liars. Do not believe it. So Solomon has given us a little bit of leveling ground. We're all sinners. He's like saying, so he's warning he's us against this. Don't be just be saying what men do. He's creeping in that we've got to listen to what God says. So we have to have wisdom. We have to have that, that that moderates these ten men that help us to live our lives. And then he gives a little um, portion here to help us apply moderation. And that's uh, verse 21. Also, take no heed unto all the words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thy, thyself likewise hath cursed others. Um, I guess he's saying here with this moderation is how more I think of when I think of what Paul's talking about in the New Testament. There's a little bit of grace. Realize if you overhear somebody saying something like, that surprised me they would say that about me in that way. And you want to go and have a wrath on them and treat them like they're dead to you and all that. And he's like, "Uh, remember, have you ever said anything about them? You know, in a conversation you didn't think anybody else was going to hear about in that way, or even a thought you had in your mind, he's like, give them a little grace. Maybe they'll just burn off a little steam. Maybe you rubbed them wrong that day. You know, chances are, how do they normally treat you? Are they being two-faced? Doubt it. You know, maybe it's just a little something going on. It's like I generally like most of the guys I work with. I've said something mean about most of them. I know they've said something mean about me because we usually come back at each other we're like brothers there in that way, and it kind of works out, you know. And we have good days, we have bad days. It's like, but you have to give a little grace in that, you know. It's like, hey, this is how we get along. I think men are a little bit better about that, and uh, <laughs> I think sometimes how girls might be at workplace, but um, we need to have a little bit of grace and realize that. I don't know where they are. I don't know the context that is. And I don't know what I did. Maybe I need to go and ask him if I did something to him. So here he says, here, just remember. It's like, remember, you're no, you know, there's none righteous. No, not one. That means you. We always like to excuse ourselves. And so this is a little bit of humble pie. Remember, you take that, let it roll off, and try not to have hurt feelings. Boy, reckon that would be an internet meme for social media now? It's like, oh, no, if someone's written something about you, it is in black and white, and then it's going to go against you forever. No, we need we need to have a little bit of grace here. we have people that attack every word you wrote. It there it is. So I remember that was some early advice Dad gave me. Don't write it down because <laughs> like, it will be used to get you. I, I, one of those things that stuck. Not much stuck. But I remember that one sticking. <laughs> write it down. They're going to use against you forever. It's like man, well, that's, that's kind of the same thing here. And that's what the internet's full of writing it down. So I think it does work against us. And so moderation. You know, because of the tendency for man is to be self-centered. I think it's the major sin of today. Not only in the world, but also in the church, among Christians. And families are taking their toll because of it, at every level, selfishness. Christians as a whole, we're supposed to die to ourselves. We're supposed to give ourselves up for the cause of Christ and for others, right? We're to, um, to lower ourselves and treat others as, as more, than, the, the, more than ourselves, you know, to, to put ourselves down and humbly serve them in that way. That, that's the way of a Christian. That's what Christ did for us, right? The, the one who deserves and will have every knee bow and every tongue confess to him. The one who washed the disciples' feet. The one who took yours and mine's sin and paid for them on the cross humbled himself to be made as if he was us, to be made as if he was me, and to suffer and die for that. There's humbleness there. That is a lowering of the self. That is a dying to self that we're supposed to emulate. And yet children suffer today. Literally, kids are being sent to hell because parents are too selfish or too lazy to teach, instruct, or to help them along this way self centered to just even guard what they watch, to guard what they hear, to see what's in front of their eyes. It's like, well, all the other kids have it. Okay, you know, that must be good, or everybody else is doing it. Really? You know, we, we saw last Sunday night, you know, the social system that is one of these ways that they're going to start, you know, it looks like it could be like the way to enforce the mark of the beast, where social control, who you are, what you say, how it's going to be. Do We really want to ingrain that in. And do we really out the worries of all that on our children? I think it's just because of self-centeredness. that They can't put their child's growth, the child's development, the child's well-being. They don't think about the child's eternity, that their soul is at stake over their own lusts. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember Elaine and I having that conversation. I think it was just a given. It was like children were born, I didn't listen to anything that I wanted to listen to. I didn't watch anything. I it's like I watched kiddie shows. I don't know, we watched Disney Channel until they graduated. I, mean, I, I remember people asking our kids, "It's like, what do you watch?" Well, you watch, you know, whatever the Disney show was at that time. I can't remember now. It's like, and there's some of those that my parents limited. It's like, you don't watch MTV? Does that and their thing? Or no? It's because like, we took it upon ourselves to try to guard them in that way, to watch and protect them. Their lives are worth our sacrifice. Their lives are worth the expense that it costs. I remember Levi saying, Dad, why do you always drive junk? I'm like, because you're worth it. (laughs) It didn't sound right. But I told him, I'm like, we, we bought extra, we put... Private school is not cheap, you know, and then and, and we put them in there, and I worked extra, and we did all over, and I would have to go in early and leave and come back. There's times I went back to work, go make a game or do whatever else to make sure to show them that they were important, because I remember my dad being there to watch me doing sports, and what it meant to me to have my dad and my mom in the crowd when other kids didn't, you know, and that, that meant a lot. I'm like, I want my kids to have that foundation that, that we are for them, you know, the lack of sleep for children. Um, that was harder for me. But I was still late, But I know, I know, my wife still set up and worry. The sweat that you'd put in that Kids are an effort. Lives are an effort. Investing in people's lives are an effort. Children are worth the doing without. I lived. I had my time where it was all me. And then I took on a wife, and it was me and her. And then we took on children, and it was us and her doing everything for them to make sure that they had salvation. That was our major goal. We wanted them to come to know Christ so that we knew that we had our children in eternity. And it was to make sure that it was ingrained in them that the world couldn't pull it out. That took effort. The dying to self is there. It needs to be there for parents today, that's for sure. See, that used to be what a father was. Mother, too. And it still should be that we die to ourselves, that we do everything for our children, that we show them the way, that we are the example of who God is. That's how we should be. And yet the world, I understand, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things to pull us away. There's all these things that they try to do to do it. But Psalms reminds us here, here's wisdom. Fear the Lord. Remember that you give an account to me. It's not to the Joneses. The Joneses are a made-up group that we're trying to keep up with. It's not them, and their kids don't make it. When we rule them against, lay them out against eternity, we're going to see that None of them are there. None of that mattered. It was all fluff. Yeah, there's was, was a lot. It's worth sacrificing for. It still should be, so yep. God is real, is what Solomon tells us. That's how he concludes this, is that we need to know and understand that. And even in his wrestling here under the sun, he is saying, you need to have some wisdom here. You need to have the wisdom of ten men, because it's going to take the wisdom of ten men to stand against what the world is telling you, to stand against what all the experts on TV and what The View and what these shows are all saying that a woman should be or what a father should be and how this all is. It's going to take ten within you to stand against it and say, no, Christ is worth it. You're going to have to be like a polycarp and say, I don't care, convict me of being a Christian. I am a Christian I'll testify it with my life I'll testify it with how I've been living I'll testify it with my children that I put my effort into that they are ch- Christian and that they will be zealous as well and not overly religious in that they don't know how to have fun but they know how to have fun they know how to live they know what the important things in life are and that's what it takes and that's what he's telling us to do and I think that's a good word for us on Father's Day you know, to listen, continue to do what we've been doing and to do what we're lacking to pick up so, I think it's time we start living like this, and, and all of us uh, in every area. There's places where we drop the ball, and we need to pick it up and remember that eternity is on the line. Uh, I, I feel like uh, we're, we're on the cups of um, matter of fact, I think we spoke about it here a little bit that that's going um, to get worse and worse for us. So, we need to set our heels in now and say, No, this is where we're standing. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is our testimony. So get that ingrained in yourself. Get that ingrained in your children. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do so that they don't compromise. When those compromises come, we're like, nope, this is the line. Set the lines and the boundaries now before they get to them uh, so we we know how to stand. And then as adults and even those empty nesters like myself, set our standards for who we are and what we do and remember that the world's still watching us world's watching us all the time. They're looking for us to fail, but I also think they're looking for us to succeed, to know that that's out there, to know that the truth is there, and to know that families live by it. So families, we pray for you. Fathers, we pray for you. Uh, This is a battleground and continue to live for him. And I think that's a good word to end on.